Appreciate everybody as little moving around as possible, and uh, just help me preach this tonight. How many knows the devil hates these type of sermons? These are the type of sermons that set people free. I'm telling you, and the enemy hates them. But Lord, we thank you as we come in Jesus' name and through His blood and open heaven, Your glory here, Holy Spirit, as You come to empower this time. I thank you, Lord, uh, for Your Holy Spirit moving upon every one of us. To give you our best ear, our full attention, our focus. I thank you, Lord, for hearing and answering the prayers over these sermons. As you speak through me, your word is living seeds of truth sown out into good soil of hearts and minds and lives. Watered by the Holy Spirit. Take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit that remains till Jesus comes. Lord, I thank you for the winds of your spirit blowing this out among the nations. It will get where it's supposed to and accomplish what it's supposed to. The Bible says it will not return void, but go forth and accomplish that which you sent it for to do. And so, Lord, we thank you for it. We bind anything of the enemy. It goes from this sermon now and will not hinder in any way in Jesus' name. Lord, we thank you for it. In the mighty name of Jesus, we all agree together. Amen. Amen. All right. So, a couple things where River of Life is kind of moving into a new season in many ways. I believe that. It has nothing to do really with the turn of the year per se, but just there's a season change. And so these sermons are going to, I believe, be instrumental in the days to come for people that give their life to Christ to uh, be able to go through this and really pray about things in their life and will help set them free. So last week we dealt with a couple things um, in regards to uh, faith that comes from hearing the word, issues of the heart, the Holy Spirit, sins of the mouth, the mind the body, and we dealt with physical illnesses. So I'm going to pick up tonight with different, really I'm going to deal with some dark stuff about um, other gods and the occult, and then our homes being in order, and then curses in people's lives, and then we're going to pray. But I'm believing God to set people free, not just people here tonight, but in the days to come, I'm telling you, these sermons will be instrumental because when, we, when people get saved, we can say, I'll go back and listen to these and pray them through, and God's going to liberate people. Okay, it's just the content of these sermons. And so just remember this as I preach tonight. Well, we, everybody repeat after me. I love Pastor Scott. Okay, nobody's going to get mad at Pastor Scott. And last week we talked about the key to freedom is great humility and just being honest before God. Don't blame other people. Don't in any way uh, get a bad attitude toward God or toward others. Just real deep repentance, humility and repentance. And the Bible says if we will confess our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us for our sin. So we've got to confess it as sin, not making excuses. Remember last week, God does not forgive excuses. He forgives sin. And also blaming others and all of that. We can't, I've seen that. My wife and I were just talking about that. You know, some people will say, well, they need to change. They're grown. They should recognize it. They should deal with it. They should change. Nobody's arguing with that. I mean, but then you look at the person that's saying that, and you're thinking, but that applies to you too, you see. And we were just talking about this the other day with an individual. But it's like we always want everybody else to change. How many knows we got 20-20 vision about everybody else's problems, right? But we, we all have issues. And that's the thing I say with humility up here is this. Everybody has dealt with some of this, including me and you and everybody. Everybody that's ever preached has dealt with some of these things in their life. 
the Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory. We all need a Savior. We all need repentance. And so this in no way is a, a, a sermon of condemnation, but a sermon just to help people get free. All right, so I'm going to pick this up where I left off last week, but I'm focused first off about the worship of other gods. And these three or four things I'm going to cover tonight are probably the most well, I shouldn't say the most, but definitely a huge door to the enemy. Okay? Uh, sexual immorality is a big one. Bloodshed's a big one. But man, the worship of other gods and the occult is a huge door for the enemy. Big time. And I have seen many people through the years that have been set free from demonic activity and torment uh, that they opened the door or their family did to the worship of other gods and the occult. Okay? So, if you want to be free, you need to look at this. In your life, have you had other religions, like ties to other religions? And it's a really interesting phenomenon. I wish I could show a couple of videos. I, I showed my wife this because it, it was on, on my phone. There was a video I was watching, and I, I took my phone and took a little video of a couple of clips, but it was really weird. I'll give you an example of how this stuff works. So, her family, going back several generations, were Mormons. And this is just one example I could give you of how this stuff happens. And because of Mormonism, Mormonism opens the door. It is definitely a cult. And it has a real fascination with death. Uh, they're all about baptizing the dead and communing with the dead, to be honest with you. And there's a few people that gave testimonies that came out of Mormonism. I have their testimonies on my phone. And they were talking about how their ancestor, one lady was saying it was like her dead ancestor was speaking to her one day real clearly about some things. And I thought, well, that's kind of weird. Because supposedly more, this is the trap of things like Mormonism. They come to you and they don't tell you the crazy stuff they believe. They tell you, supposedly, this is what they call themselves, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's like, no, you're a cult. You do not believe the gospel that we believe. In fact, you believe crazy stuff. Like, as God is, we're going to become a God over a planet one day and populate that planet and be God over it. That's insane. And so they don't tell you that. And they come to you that we're the Church of Jesus Christ. It's like, no, you're really not. And... So my, it was interesting because my wife's testimony was that her family went from Mormonism, and then what did they get involved in? They got involved in necromancy, which is the communing of the dead through seances and things like that, which, of course, opened the door to the occult, and then they got deeply involved in the occult. On and on, you know her testimony, but I thought that that was interesting, that it went from Mormonism and that fascination with the communing with the dead to the occult and it, it specifically into seances so you can see that anytime there's things in family bloodlines that maybe goes back to in my family there was some native american with the cherokee you know we had to pray about that and also you deal with things like what uh we had to deal with um freemasonry and you had to deal with the things that were there and pray about those things you know and break those curses and there can be a number of things. There can be things that have to do with Roman Catholicism. And again, that is just another cult. It, they, the Roman Catholicism, I know people think that it's Christianity. That's so pervasive. 
But in the heart of it, it is, they do not believe the gospel. They believe that you're saved by being a good little Catholic. That is not the gospel. Okay, you're not saved by good works. In fact, the Bible is very clear about that. Amen? It is very clear that it is not through works, but it is, is rather faith in what Jesus did. And so, all these other gods, all these other religions that people get connected to, and it could be something that's not really a, uh, like a Christian cult per se, but Hinduism, Buddhism, any type of New Age, all the different things that people have gotten mixed up in. At the end of the day, I'm going to sum up these things as simple as it's possible to do. There's always some kind of another God. Did everybody hear what I said? There's another God, whether it's an idol or whether it's a, a false Christ but it is some other God that is center. And then, because of that God, there's always some kind of an altar that has to do with worship. It has to do with dedicating yourself to that or whatever, but there's always an altar of some kind, even though you may not see it with your natural eye, there's an altar. And there's always something that has to do with some type of a covenant some type of an initiation, some type of a dedication, but it somehow connects you to that God. Everybody catch that, those three things. There's always a God, there's always an altar, and there's always some type of a covenant that's entered into. It has a lot of different flavors, if you will, a lot of different expressions, but it always goes down to those simplest terms, every time. And when people worship that God and somehow they kneel at that altar and they enter into some type of a dedication or, or some type of a ritual they do, not only do they come under the bondage of that, but they place their family and their descendants under that bondage. And you simply have to renounce those things and get free from it. It's like a tie that binds. It has influence there until the power of Jesus Christ comes in and breaks it. Amen? And God wants to liberate people. There can be other areas, uh, but let me explain this in simplest terms as well. Also, that's, that's one thing, but traveling down family bloodlines is iniquity. And so what iniquity is, and this is why I need people to really understand this, sin means you miss the mark. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory. So picture missing the mark like how many guys have ever shot a bow and arrow? I know most of you have. And you aim to the target, you shoot, and you just simply miss. Okay, it's an unintentional thing. In life, people sin, and they don't intentionally do it, but they sin. But transgression is different. A transgression means rebellion, and that's where you sin on purpose. You know something's wrong, and you do it anyway. That's a transgression. Eve was deceived and she sinned, but Adam knew what he was doing and he transgressed. All right, but then iniquity is altogether different. Iniquity is the Hebrew word that means bent, crooked, twisted, or perverse. And what that is, it's something that is in the family blood, if you will, and people have tendencies toward it, I mean strong tendencies. For example, if somebody in their family may have been a witch or something, 
they, the descendants, the grandkids, the great-grandkids, if you don't really pray about it, they may have some type of a fascination, some type of an unhealthy draw toward witchcraft. They find themselves fascinated with uh, scary movies, with, with things that have to do with witchcraft or the occult. What is that? That's the iniquity that's in the blood trying to draw them toward that. But how many knows Jesus was bruised for our iniquity? Amen? It could be any number of things. I mean, there could be some things that are sexually perverse, and then the family descendants tend to deal with sexual lust, and they struggle with that until Jesus sets them free. And it could be any number of things. That's why you see things in family bloodlines, like you wonder, how in the world do people grow up in an alcoholic family, and they see all the destruction of that, yet themselves to turn out an alcoholic knowing what it did to their life in their childhood. You know what it is? It's iniquity drives. There's an iniquity within them that's trying to push them into that type of a bondage. And until Jesus comes in and breaks that bondage, they're, they're really struggling with it, you see. And again, it can be any number of different examples that I give, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to give a few like that. But it is important that we pray that God purge us from any iniquity. And if you, what iniquity basically in the New Testament, you see that it talks about besetting sins. Do you remember hearing that phrase or reading that in the book of Hebrews? It says that we've got to break free from these besetting sins. What, the, what a besetting sin is, is something that you really try to get free from, but you struggle with it. And it seems like you just can't get the victory. And you wonder, what am I dealing with? Why is this so hard? It's probably because it's rooted in iniquity. And it's not just a matter of saying, Jesus, I'm sorry. It's a matter of saying, Jesus, take this out of me by the roots and kill it, that I'll be delivered from it. There's a difference. And so Jesus bled outwardly. It says he was pierced for our transgressions. But he bled also inwardly because he was bruised for our iniquity. And so the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to set you free. The blood of Jesus Christ will wash away all those idols, altars, and covenants and make them null and void. The blood of Jesus will cleanse you from all unrighteousness and, and deliver you from all iniquity. And the blood of Jesus can cause you to be separated from all that junk that's in your family. So I'm trying to make this a really complicated issue tonight. Down, breaking it down into its simplest form that you can understand it very easily. Even, I believe, a, a, a young person could understand what I'm saying. And so how do generational curses work? Well, it comes in this way, and I'm going to talk about that before we're done tonight. But it comes from the idols, the altars, the covenants, and the iniquity that's in families. But how many knows that the Bible says Jesus became a curse for us? Cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree, delivering us from the curses under the law. So Christ has paid for us to be delivered from every curse. And so we can pass out from under any curse and move into the blessings given to Abraham, who was blessed in all things. And so what I want to do is I want to lead you as we go tonight in various prayers. I'm going to pray about this iniquity. And I want to pray about idols tonight. And then we're going to talk about the occult. 
But how many have other gods in your family ancestry? I mean, you think about it for a minute. You've got, the Bible talks about down to the third and fourth generation is, generations. If you just go up four generations and you count all the people that could have influenced your family bloodline, you've got a lot of people there. So the odds that everything is just really pure and clean are very, very slim. But let me just tell you this to increase your faith. You know, God gave my wife a vision of this years ago. In fact, there was a word that came from a man of God praying over her. And he saw her, and this is, this is pictured in Romans 9, 10, 11. But he saw her like a branch that was being cut off from her family tree. And it was like a really sharp edge just cutting her completely off from her family tree. And then he saw her being engrafted into a different family. And it was like generational blessings flowed. And man, she prayed about that. It was so powerful. But I tell you what, she is totally free from everything that's been in her family that's not of God. She is a broken off branch from that. And now she is living in the blessings of Abraham and the covenant that Jesus cut at the cross. Amen. She is free. And every area of her life is blessed. And you can see that. And so the Lord wants us to move in blessings, doesn't he? So let me pray with you about this, and maybe as we talk about curses for the sake of time, hopefully I, I can touch on blessings as well. But I want everybody out loud to pray this to the Lord and really mean it. And just say this, Jesus, we ask forgiveness for all the idols, the other gods, the altars, and the covenants, the dedications to other gods in my life or in my family. We renounce these things. We confess them as sin. Everything, any oath, pledges, ceremonies, rituals, anything that was a dedication to these false gods, we confess it as sin and we renounce it. And I thank you that the blood of Jesus cleanses us and separates us from these things. In the name of Jesus, we break it off our lives and we command the enemy to leave our lives now and forever. And we confess as sin all the iniquity that's been in us, that's been besetting sins, that's been struggles. And I thank you, Jesus. You were bruised for my iniquity. You're the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And I thank you for taking that out of me and delivering me from all iniquity. That I can be free in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow. How many knows it's powerful when we do that? The Bible says with the heart we believe, with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. But salvation is not just forgiveness of sins. It's being delivered. The Bible says, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. 
And so now I'm going to deal with the occult. Again, we're just touching on these things quickly and moving through them in categories. But the occult is a huge door to the enemy. Basically, this is Satan's counterfeit to the things of God. And the occult has a lot has three major branches. I'm going to talk briefly about them. But before I get into that, I'm going to say some things in passing, but I feel, I feel led of the Spirit to say them. And hopefully as people hear this, they will really take what I'm saying to heart. But there's been from, we're right now, as I'm preaching this, we are in January of 2024. And I would say around 2000 to 2003, a lot of our spiritual powerhouse, powerful prayer warriors and intercessors and powerful leaders in God that that preach the word, I mean in power, these type of people have gradually been dying. They were the older generation. And unfortunately, over the last two decades, there hasn't been a lot of replacing that. And so I'm saying this because I have a burden that people begin to be used very powerfully in prayer again. Deep prayer, intercession, getting back to fasting and praying. That's going to be what makes the difference. And you don't have to have a huge group because many times that can actually be a hindrance. Let a group of people that are led by the Spirit together that are serious about it come together and pray. It may even need to be by invitation only, so you keep keep it only people that are serious about it. But what's happened in America, according to, I was watching the 700 Club, and they, they do a really good job with the news. And they were saying that in America, over the last several years, there's been a rise of this, but one of the fastest growing religions in America is witchcraft. And it's pervasive in our culture now, that even so-called Christians, I'm not saying everybody that says they are as a Christian, but even many of them seem to be like they're comfortable with it. And they're comfortable like it's fun and games. And they're letting their kids play with it in video games and etc. And, and like it's no big deal. I assure you it's a very big deal. And the Bible says in Revelation 21.8 that people that are messing with these dark arts and witchcraft will be in the lake of fire. It's not something God's toying with or thinks it's innocent fun. And I love you, but if you're letting your kids mess with it, you're not being a good parent. So there's also been a rise of Satan worship. And Satan worship in particular, the temple of Set, or I'm sorry, the Satanic temple rather, is been really a spearhead in the last several, uh, I would say since 2000, I think 13, somewhere in there. So they've been around now for about 10 years or so, give or take. And they boast of having um, over 700,000 members world, around this nation, and they've opened chapters in other nations. But they they are a very sinister group. They're trying to really push a very liberal agenda in our country. They're behind a lot of the movements to maintain abortion and to push sexual perversions. They're trying to infiltrate our school system. And they've been successful in some places with this after-school Satan club. And they're trying to do what Anton LaVey started in the Church of Satan in 66, 
where he was trying to present Satanism as just kind of an innocent fun. Like it was, what this is what he would say, and I do not believe them. How many knows if your God is the father of all lies, you are a liar, okay? So they want to come in and say, we don't believe in a literal Satan. Well, maybe some of the low-end people don't, but yes, they do. But they say, we don't believe in a real Satan. We believe you're just your own God. And they also say things like this. We're just trying to get people get away from the superstition of Christianity in the Bible. And they claim to be almost like atheists or something. And they've been hosting these uh, these satanic rituals where you unbaptize yourself. So if you've ever dedicated your life to Christ or whatever, it's a way of kind of renouncing that. And it's a it's a movement that's targeting our young people. And Satanism has also been, it's been really in the mainstream industry of entertainment since, I would say, the 70s into the 80s with the rock music. But now it's even uh, seems to be more so in the pop and the, the rap in that scene than any other scene. And Satanism is, is on the rise. Now, anybody that actually knows the Bible and in this generation... Let me emphasize that not everybody does. Okay, but those that really know the Bible and they've actually read it and studied it and they know end time prophecy, they know the book of Revelation, they know that the Bible says before Jesus comes that the world will worship the Antichrist, his image, and the dragon. Who's the dragon? Satan. So there's going to be a rise of Satan worship. So this is out there. And so I'm trying to tell people that this is not a time to take this lightly. Because let me tell you, if God's people are not really praying and you're taking it lightly and you're just sitting back passively, that's why they're gaining ground. Is because people aren't praying like they should be. So they're able to easily advance their agenda. And so if, if we sit back and don't do anything, we're going to watch this thing continue to grow in this nation. And so somebody's going to have to start praying. And there was a group of powerful prayer warriors and intercessors years ago. And I remember around the year 2000, actually, one guy was talking about how they were praying. They were up in the north area, I think Massachusetts. And they were praying about some satanic covens up there. But listen to this type of prayer. So you can't be a little weenie. Amen. And they were praying like this. They were saying, Lord... And this is a group of them, I mean, roaring, praying in tongues, prayer warriors, they know how to pray. They're praying, Lord, invade these dark meeting places like a shaft of light with the terror of the Almighty descend into these places where they meet. And Lord, let them shake with the power of God and let those people either fall on their face and accept Jesus as their Savior or flee in abstract terror to never go back to that place again. And did you know that there began to be testimonies True, legitimate testimonies documented of people that were coming out of Satanism that were saying things like this. Well, the Christians were praying, and we were in this satanic ritual where we had this this person on an altar, and they were going to be sacrificed to the devil, and we were all there in our regalia, and we were. And all of a sudden, there was a shaft of light came through, and the 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 meeting was disrupted, and people began to flee in terror. And they were reporting this, and that was like the turning point to them when they realized for themselves that Jesus Christ really is who he says he is. And that there is a power of God Almighty, a light 
that is more powerful than darkness. And the devil isn't everything he claims to be. And that was why many of them began to question what they believed and began to find Jesus. One guy said a true documented testimony. His name's Daniel. He said that he held up a chalice of blood. He was doing a ritual. He was supposed to drink it. And he said a shaft of light shot through that place and hit the chalice. It shattered in his hand. Shards of it went into his hand. And he said to this day he still has scars. Right now, today, he's a preacher. See, I mean, stories like that. But you know why those things happen? Because people were praying. God came down. I mean, we can't just expect these things are just going to happen. But when people really pray and they take it serious, God will invade those dark meeting places. And he will disrupt them. And he'll scatter them. And he will cause many of them to find Jesus. And some of them will be great Uh, great leaders for Jesus Christ because when they get saved, the Bible says those whom much is forgiven that they love much. And they will be used to be great champions for the Lord one day. Okay? So we need to pray. And um, I'm concerned about our young people because there's even so much confusion. Because uh, just last night, you know, Stephen was talking to a young person about, but here's what's happening because of the movies and because of the, the, the stupid video games and things. They present it like this. There's a good witch and a bad witch, and they're fighting it out. Well, let, let's go ahead and look at that. I'm not interested in, in, your, in anybody's opinion. I'm interested in what this says. Okay? I love you, but everybody thinks they have an opinion. I mean, those opinions are like armpits. Everybody's got some and some stink, right? So let's look at Deuteronomy 18, starting with verse 9. God said, when you enter the land which the Lord your God gives you, you shall not learn to imitate the detestable things of those nations. There shall be not any of you found, or not any among you found that Uh, makes his son or daughter pass through the fire. That's human sacrifice right there. Child sacrifice. It says, who uses divination? Divination is uh, fortune-telling, horoscopes, things like reading crystals, etc. Those who practice witchcraft, which I'll explain, those who interpret omens or a sorcerer. Sorcery is the material branch. Those who cast spells or a medium. A medium is somebody that channels spirits or a spiritist, same thing, or one who calls upon the dead, that's seances. That's what that is, to summon the dead and supposedly talk to the dead. You're not talking to dead people, you're talking to demons. Or for whoever does these things is detestable to the Lord and because of these detestable things, the Lord your God will drive them out before you. You shall be blameless. And the Bible uses, in another translation, it's an abomination to the Lord. An abomination is the strongest possible terms in the Bible that God hates it, and he hates it with a passion. And in Revelation 21, verse 8, it says, But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, the immoral people, that sexual immorality, and the sorcerers, that's those that practice the dark arts, And all idolaters and all liars, their part will be in the lake of fire, which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So I think that God has a problem with it. And so there's no such thing as good and bad witches. 
Even if you think that you're using witchcraft for good, you're ultimately being used of demonic spirits and you're just deceived. There's even been weird movements of people trying to mix together Christianity and witchcraft. God will never, ever be in that. All right, so let me give you a couple things up front. Witchcraft is this. There's three major branches to the occult. Number one is witchcraft, and witchcraft is to control people. So people learn to do different type of rituals, and the power behind witchcraft is very simple. It is just simply demonic activity. There is a real power behind it, but it is the power of the demonic. And so people learn. They learn how to do certain types of rituals and incantations, which is like chanting, it's like, for example, in some countries where there's incantation drum beats and then they're chanting things. But they learn how to do certain ritualistic things that summon spirits and then they release that against people, whether to spellbind them or to curse them to destruction. Did everybody hear what I said? Because I want people to at least understand from the Bible what we're dealing with here. Okay, I don't want people to learn this stuff from movies. All right, so witchcraft is where people learn basically to summon demonic spirits and they release things in the way of words, rituals, things that are spoken, things that are sung, things that are chanted, but it's like channeling that energy, if you will, and they release it against a person either to put a spell on them, to control them, or to curse them to destruction. But again, that's, that's trying to control them in that way. Witchcraft is all about control. And it has nothing to do with uh, the way God operates. God doesn't try to control people. The devil tries to control and force people. Witchcraft is also illegitimate authority. Where God has established authority. For example, it could be in the home is the most basic, but the husband is the head of the home. The final decision rests there, period. That's the Bible. The wife is to submit unto that. Children are on to obey parents. There's, a, there's an order of authority. Where you have witchcraft is where there's illegitimate authority. For example, the wife wants to usurp that authority over the husband and rule over him and control him. That's a Jezebel spirit, and it is witchcraft. So witchcraft is illegitimate authority. And it's ungodly control. And it is so unbelievably pervasive in our culture. I can't even begin to tell you how it's everywhere. It's in neighborhoods. It's in educational systems. It's in workplaces. You're going to find very few places where there's not some type of strange, manipulative, controlling person behind the scenes trying to have their little way. And here's the thing about that. It's never about, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done. No, no, no. Witchcraft is about what I want and trying to force my will on somebody else. Hello? So witchcraft is the power branch of the occult, and it has to do with controlling other people. And don't take it lightly. If it's been released against you by people that know what they're doing, you're going to feel it. You're going to feel no pressure. It may cause, you may feel migraines, you may feel dizziness, you may feel physically sick, you may feel difficulty praying, you feel resisted. 
Take authority over the thing. You know, I'm shocked at how many Christians have not taught anything about spiritual warfare. If you're dealing with something, here's what you do. In the name of Jesus, I break this off my life out in Jesus' name. Take authority over it. Command it to be bound and command it to leave you. And it will go. So that's witchcraft. The second branch of the occult is divination. Divination has to do with information. So people that are seeking information from the darkness, they may be looking to the stars, the zodiac, to get horoscopes or whatever. They may be going to some type of a witch. They have their palm red, tea leaves red, crystal balls red, whatever. Whatever type of reading that the... A cult term for that is scrying, and it has to do with reading into things, or in, in that category, interpreting omens. But it's, it's some type of reading. In that, there may be that weird automatic handwriting, or there may be some type of an attempt to mind read, but it's trying to get information. And people don't realize that when they go to somebody to get that type of information, they're communing with spiritual darkness, they're communing with demons. And because of that, when they participate in that, there's going to be a curse and there's going to be an effect in their life that they've opened the door to. We are not to go to those type of people. If you need to hear from God, you need to pray and hear from God. But also God has placed among his people those that have gifts of things like prophecy. But you don't turn to the witches. And another thing is necromancy. Necromancy is simply seances. How many have seen these type of things out there where, you know, on movies or TVs or whatever, they try to commune with the dead? And so people many times will sit around somewhere at a table or even around a gravestone or something, but they'll join hands and they'll begin to, to call upon the spirit of their dead so-and-so. Dead, dead Uncle Charlie, here he comes, you know, and the next thing you know, some weird apparition might appear or somebody that's a medium that's there all of a sudden gets possessed by supposedly dead Uncle Charlie and begins to speak through them. I mean, even to the point that their mouth is just open and their lips are not moving, but yet something is speaking through them. And it could be a woman and it's a man's voice. How many knows Charlie is probably in hell down there? It ain't Charlie. That's a demonic thing. And they begin to seek this information from the dead. The third branch of the occult is sorcery. Sorcery is the, is the uh, material branch, rather. Sorcery has to do with things that you would physically have in your possession. For example, good luck charms, some type of thing that's supposed to bring you power or luck or supposed to bring some type of fortune in your life. There's something called a talisman that people may carry around in their pocket. They may wear something around their neck. They may have some type of a ring that has a goat's head or something. But it's something that's supposed to bring them wealth, power, maybe power over other people. It's supposed to cause them to be able to get jobs they shouldn't get, money come to them it shouldn't have, including, you know, I'm in a pulpit, so I'm being careful what I say, but, but sexual things they, they want going on in their life that they're pursuing, 
that that's supposed to make that happen. And whatever it is that they're after, whatever type of power, you know, my wife's uh, father had some weird statue, man. That, remember, you would tell me about that, and he would carry that thing around, sleep with it next to his bed, took it everywhere he went. It was supposed to give him some type of power. And so sorcery is the power branch of the occult. And also, under the category of sorcery, the word for sorcery in the Greek is pharmakeia, and it, it's where we get the word pharmacy from. It has to do with drugs. So interestingly enough, if you go back and look at the occult, the use of different types of drugs to put people in an altered state of consciousness is very pervasive. I mean, even in the Native American culture, they have things like the smoking of the peace pipe and the peyote and the sweat lodges, what? To get in some altered state of consciousness so they can commune with the spiritual realm. That's sorcery. And you find it even today among the contemporary witches and Satanists that there will be drugs, whether it be in the incense they burn or whether it's in things that they drink, but is to put them in an altered state of consciousness so that they're more in tune with the spiritual realm. They're seeing things. And so, again, incant- let me talk about this too. The word incantations. Incantations many times is something that is sung. It's words that, that are chanted or something. But that is supposedly in the occult is the most potent form of magic. That is, uh, and you know what it's a counterfeit to? Everything that the devil has, how many knows that he hadn't really come up with anything, has he? He just perverts the things of God. He corrupts it. He counterfeits it. You know what? So the true is this. The Bible says where we gather together and we begin to worship and to pray that whatever we ask, God would do. And how many have felt on these Tuesday night prayer meetings when we get in worship and the intercessors are praying and we begin to agree together over things? How many have felt the power of God? You know what that is? That's the real. They're trying to counterfeit it with incantations. And you have them using all types of weird, like rhythmic drum beats and all these different things, but they're trying to counterfeit the real. And so that's in the realm of releasing the occult. Also, as I've mentioned, satanic objects. You guys have to pardon me this week, I'm getting over a sickness. But God touched me this week, and I'm doing great. But as far as satanic objects, you need to look at what's in your home and what's in your possession. But let me go back to incantations for a moment. Why do you think it is? See, Satan used to be, in my opinion, from the scriptures, a worship leader in heaven. And so he understands the power of of music. Ezekiel says within Satan was created tabrets and pipes that has to do with music. But also satanic objects. You need to be careful because some things can be a doorway even into not only your life but your home. You know, people that have satanic things, satanic objects in their home. It could be something like a, a book 
if somebody doesn't even think anything of it, maybe they have in their home, in their library, something like the Satanic Bible or some occult book that they have in their home, that thing can draw in spiritual activity into your home that you don't want in your home. Things that maybe are purchased at an occult bookstore. Hopefully most of you haven't, but you know, here in Texas, thank God for Texas. I go other places and it's, it ain't Texas. And I remember I was in California and I mean, you just go into a mall and there, there was this huge occult bookstore right there in a normal mall. We don't have that in Texas very often. It's rare. And anytime those things start trying to crop up, you'll find a bunch of old lady intercessors outside there praying in Jesus name. And the next thing you know, they go out of business. Thank God for Texas. Amen. But I was in California and I was showing, actually, you remember this, Brianna, I was showing Brianna, I was like, well, this, you know, we were looking through, I was pointing at some things to show her what was in these stores, but, man, they have everything you can imagine, all kinds of counterfeit stuff. Uh, for example, oils that you anoint yourself that's supposed to do this, that, and the other. But let me tell you, anything that you purchase from that type of source on the internet, you purchase it, whatever it is, some type of a, a chalice, some type of a sword, something, uh, whatever it could be, and you bring that into your home, those type of objects are charged with satanic power, and they're going to welcome things into your home that you don't want in your home, okay? So just be careful with that. Um, there can be satanic movies or video games or whatever, but just keep it out of your home. Get it out of your home. Not just that, but let me move into the home now. How is the spiritual hygiene of your home? I've got two more things I want to talk about. We're going to pray, and then we're just going to go through and pray for people. Well, let me lead you in a prayer about the occult before I get deeply into the home. And let me just warn you that it's more serious than what you think. I've prayed with people that simply dabbled in things, one example that comes to mind, a young lady named Katie right here. We were praying for people one night and she collapsed and there was a demonic spirit leaving her. And I, I knew it was a spirit of witchcraft. And so I'm busy praying for people, you know, and when you something like that happens, I've, it really got her attention. OK, and so while I'm trying to pray for other people. She's what was that? And I said, well, you know, you just got delivered from a demon. I was like. I felt it was witchcraft. Have you ever been messing around with witchcraft? She said, well, when I was in school, I played around with it a little bit, but I didn't take it real serious. I said, well, you know, you can not take it serious, but the devil takes it very serious. Well, I just played with a Ouija board. I didn't think anything of it, really. Doesn't mean the devil didn't think something of it. And so I'm going to lead you in a prayer, but God wants to set people free, but I'm telling you guys, Please teach your kids to stay away from this because it is getting very pervasive in our culture. It's something that is marked, the Bible says, by the end times. The rise of the Antichrist and the false prophet will be with all kinds of lying signs and wonders. That's witchcraft. And of course, people are going to be worshiping the dragon, as I've already mentioned. So I want you guys to pray this. If you've been involved in it or your family has, everybody out loud, Jesus, we confess a sin. Any witchcraft, divination, sorcery, 
necromancy, occult practices in our lives or in our family. We confess it as sin. We renounce it. And you are faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And we commit, if we have any satanic objects, we will destroy them and get rid of them. So in the name of Jesus, we break off our lives, anything to do with the occult, any work of Satan, and we command in Jesus' name, any occult spirits to leave our lives in the name of Jesus, any spirit of witchcraft or divination, sorcery, necromancy, bondages, leave us now and our family forever in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, so the home. Let's move into the home. So how's the spiritual hygiene of the home? You know, some places can be really beautiful and clean and the, in the natural. You look at them, but spiritually speaking, they are disgusting. There's a lot of demonic and, and foul activity that's there. So you need to ask yourself, how's the atmosphere of the home? How's the hygiene of that home? I've walked into homes through the years many times where it felt oppressed. It felt like there was a lot of fighting there and substance abuse and immorality and occult stuff and it just felt disgusting spiritually to be in that home. And I always felt sorry for the people that lived there and those that had to sleep in that atmosphere. So I want you to look at the condition of the home. Is it a place where it's easy to pray? It's easy to worship. People get along. The blessings of God are there. There's an open heaven. There's a presence of the Lord there. It's a place that you want to be. Or is it a place that's oppressed of the enemy? A place where people, it's easy to fight. Very difficult to pray. You don't really want to be there. You find yourself having difficulty sleeping there. It's just, it's an oppressed, tormented place. And here's some things that contribute to that. Number one, in your home, is there ungodly entertainment? Are there things that are pornographic? If you want demonic activity in your home, pornography is a good way to get that in there. Are there things that have to do with bondages, addictions? to drugs, alcohol, tobacco, etc., bondages. Is there rebellion in the home? Do you tolerate rebellion? You know why a lot of rebellion is there? Because it's tolerated. I was just simply a part of a different generation, I guess. But my parents weren't trying to be my little friend. They were trying to parent me. I didn't raise myself. I was raised by parents. 
And therefore, rebellion wasn't tolerated. My mom didn't put up with it, but at the same time, there was a point when you have three boys that she would say, just wait till dad gets home. <laughs> the blood would drain from our faces. <laughs> we knew. <laughs> but we were raised right. I mean, it wasn't, rebellion wasn't tolerated. The reason why many times it goes on is because it's tolerated. People nowadays, I mean, to be honest with you, I believe it's been going on in, in Generation X, raising the millennial generation. But that's why you see a higher percentage of people that deal with some of the things they deal with. You know, for example, I mean, I was raised, let me just give you one example of many. When I was growing up, there wasn't all these fancy programs in churches. We were just talking about this the other day. I mean, we had children's church or whatever on Sunday morning. But, I mean, we went to church on Sunday morning till children's church. We went to church on Sunday night, the whole service. And then we had something on Wednesdays. When you got older, they had youth. But we sat in church. And you better believe we learned how to obey and be respectful in church. And there was a few times that Dad had to take us to the restroom and set us straight. And so we would learn how to behave in church. Amen? And there wasn't problems with that. But we were raised in a way that was just different. At some point, people went from discipline to just letting everything go. They went from consequences to just, well, let's just talk about it. <laughs> and that's where you get a lot of this sense of a snowflake that people make fun of. Amen? Y'all know what I'm talking about? Where people get their feelings hurt at the drop of a hat? That's where you get that stuff about a sense of entitlement. And you get this rebellious streak. It's because it wasn't dealt with in their childhood. You know, my parents, everybody's born with a rebellious streak they got from Adam. But if good parents raise their kids right, it's disciplined out of them. And they learn how to submit to authority. So think about it. What's in your home? Is there ungodly entertainment? The kids that's been raised in our home know that it's going to be dealt with if it comes up, if it's ungodly entertainment. Anything that I feel would grieve the Holy Spirit. Are there things like, for example, how do spouses treat each other? Did you know, I think it's Second Peter 3, 1 Peter 3, but it talks about husbands and wives, that husbands, if they're if they're not loving their wives, that they're, they're mean and they're mistreating their wives. The Bible says God won't answer their prayers. Your prayers can be answered because you're being a jerk to your wife. <laughs> In the same way, that door swings both ways. If a wife is disrespecting her husband and mistreating him, do you really think she's going to be over here yelling and screaming at him and treating him like dirt and... and, and uh, you know, disrespecting him in front of his kids, and then she's going to go over here to Jesus and go, oh, but Lord, would you do this for me? What the Lord is looking for here is that husbands and wife love one another and that things are in order. Amen? And not going to bed angry. The Bible talks about that. Not going to bed uh, with uh, the sun setting on your wrath. That has to do with going to bed angry. But deal with it. If there's things where there's been a disagreement, there's been a fight, it, it happens in every marriage. 
but pray together about it, get it dealt with, and don't just let it go. Because if you let it go, the enemy will try to come in and oppress that home with a spirit of strife. How many have ever been somewhere that you knew that there was an atmosphere of a lot of fighting and it felt uncomfortable? Now, be honest, seriously. Yeah, I've been in places where there's all this fighting and strife that's there. There's like a spirit of strife and you just feel uncomfortable. You're just ready to leave as soon as you can. I think that's one of the reasons why some churches are so oppressed There's no freedom in it at all is because of all the fighting and strife that's in that church. Also, things that have to do with tolerating Jezebel and Ahab, that's a real spirit, it's a real spiritual problem, and it's a strong bondage in these last days. I wish I had time to teach on it, but it's too involved. But just in the simplest form for tonight, when you're dealing with, with somebody that has a Jezebel spirit, male or female, there will be counterfeit revelation and there will be a strong tendency to control other people. And a Jezebel spirit is rooted many times in their life and in their family ancestry that they somewhere got involved in some type of occult stuff. Um, There's there's been some type of uh, bloodshed maybe in their family. Or there's been some type of an issue uh, that opened the door to these spirits. It's very strong in Roman Catholicism. I have not known yet one person that had Roman Catholicism in their life or their family that didn't have to deal with a Jezebel spirit and kick it out. So Jezebel and Ahab, and Ahab is somebody that's passive and allows themselves to be controlled Ahabs have a strong issue with anger. If you're dealing with an Ahab, they'll be real passive and joke around and easy to get along with one minute, but then there'll be these outbursts of rage and anger in another minute, especially if you start dealing with those Ahab issues. You start telling them you need to grow up, you need to hold down a job, you need to be a man, you need to be the provider, you need to do what you're supposed to do and be responsible Oh, you'll see an anger come up in those people. So an Ahab produces men that never grew up, that are childish, they're little boys, and then they have a Jezebel wife that wears the pants and runs the show. When you have that stronghold in a family, if God himself does not help those kids get out of that and help them, they will turn out unbelievably messed up in life. And that relationship between that husband and wife will either be one of two things. It'll be hell on earth if they stay together, or it will end in divorce and destruction eventually. The next thing I want to say about the home is, it falls under a Jezebel spirit, but the witchcraft that has to do with manipulation, intimidation, and domination. So be careful to get all that out of the home. There needs to be order. There needs to be unity. Um, I would add also, just be careful with the stronghold in these last days that's going to have to do with pride and rebellion and witchcraft. Those three things. 
If you're taking notes tonight, those three things. Make sure that you deal with these. That you deeply repent of pride, rebellion, and witchcraft because those three things are going to be the great bondages in the last days. Okay? And then the last thing I want to talk about, we're going to pray about the home and then I'm going to talk about curses and then we're going to end this thing. It's a lot of information, isn't it? And I'm only touching on it. I can't really get deep into this. But there's also, in the scriptures, there's a curse in Deuteronomy 23.2 that seems to be connected with people that were conceived out of wedlock. And it talks about them not being able to enter the assembly of the Lord. That's a sad curse. I believe that that would try to hinder people from accepting Christ and then going to church. It's like trying to hinder them. Does anybody see what I'm talking about? They cannot enter the assembly of the Lord. But God wants to deliver us from these things. Amen? So I want us to pray out loud about this. And we're going to confess this stuff is sin. If this has been in your family, if you see these tendencies, if you see things there, maybe you struggle with, Jesus has come to set us free. Amen? And I feel it as I'm preaching on this tonight, and I'm just touching on it, but I feel in my spirit like I'm going up against a spiritual force out there that does not want to be exposed. And it does not want people to repent. This is a stronghold that is at work in families and wants to travel down bloodlines and keep them in bondage. And let me tell you, if you ever try to break free from that and get uh, kids out of that, you're going to face a rage of the enemy. So everybody out loud, just pray this. Jesus, we confess this sin and we repent of all Jezebel and Ahab activity. If there's been disorder, division, dysfunction in our family, we ask forgiveness. If there's been things in our home that's not right with God, we confess it as sin. If there's been illegitimacy in our family, forgive us, Lord. All the pride, all the rebellion, all the witchcraft, all the manipulation, intimidation, and ungodly control, we ask forgiveness. You are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. So we break these curses and we command the enemy to be bound in Jesus' name and leave our lives right now and never return in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Wow. I mean, I feel the power of God up here when I was saying that. Wow, that's awesome. The Lord has come to set us free. Amen. All right, the last thing I want to talk about, but I want to get everybody's attention here. I don't want to lose you. Is I want to talk about curses, and then we're going to end this thing. Curses are very real and very powerful and very serious. But I would say in America, 
the American church that things like blessings and curses are absolutely not understood at all. There's very little, if any, teaching on it. And so things like that bring a curse tonight, I want to talk about that. But let me explain what a curse is and a blessing. A curse is something that's over someone's life. Maybe like a dark cloud or something on them or over them that keeps them in a sense of bondage. That because of that curse on their life, they feel weak. They feel that they cannot overcome They feel timid. There's something there that beats them down. And every time they seem to be getting successful or doing good, it's like something comes in and trips them up and makes everything fall apart for them. It's sad because curses keep people in bondage. And these things are over families. So I'm mainly talking about generational curses, but people bring a curse on themselves by the things that they get involved in. So a curse can be on a person. Everybody look this way. Give me your best ear. But a curse can be on a person and it can be on a family. And my wife and I understand these things, believe me, and we've prayed about them and the Lord breaks those things. I remember, for example, actually before I even knew my wife, I was talking to my father and it seemed that there was something there financially. And I think back then we were talking about probably because of the Native American heritage. I don't remember. But we prayed in probably 2002 to 2003 we're praying about that and we prayed about any generational curse and we broke that thing did you know that finances right after that shot up and we talked about it because finances went from one level they had been for years to a significant increase and stayed at that increase so curses suppress things if there's a curse that is causing sickness you're not going to be able to get that person healed until you break that curse. If there's a curse that's causing financial insufficiency, even if you tithe and give and do all the right things, I mean, God will take care of you, but it will still seem like something isn't quite right until you break that curse. In the same way, curses can affect relationships. In fact, let me just go ahead and get ahead of myself and read this. What are signs of a curse in someone's life? Number one, living frustrated. But you can see a sign of a curse in a person or a family. Do you see a history of mental or physical breakdown? In families, if you see that there's mental breakdowns and there's physical health breakdowns in families, and it's chronic, it's something that you see pervasive, It could be that there's a curse. Number two is there repeated chronic sickness or disease. And it travels down families, incurable diseases, things that just seem to be inherited and go down the family line. That can be a sign of a curse. Number three is there barrenness or tendencies to miscarry. And you see that there's something there. Number four, this is a big one. Do you see divorce, strife? And family alienation. That is definitely a sign of a curse. Satan wants families divided. Number five. Is there financial poverty or continual financial stress? 
Though no matter what, people struggle financially. That's a sign of a curse. Number six, people that are accident prone or have repeated unexplained accidents. That can be a curse. I remember one person that used to come here that her father had had a severe accident at a certain age and I believe that their father did and then this person did. It was just strange. But you can see these patterns down the family that if you look at it, if there is a curse, you can see a pattern of unexplained accidents. There was one young lady that had broken her leg in the same place like three times. It had been to the point that it it couldn't even heal right. And the minister said, God told him, break a curse. He took authority and broke a curse, and he said that family jolted. And then that young lady's leg was healed. But he knew that until he broke that curse, he could not get that leg healed. There was something there that was hindering that. There was another story of a lady that she was... uh, working at an office in this particular business, the higher-ups in the business were getting involved in New Age. And so they had this weird witchy lady coming in and supposedly praying blessings on the business, but it was a witch, so it was actually bringing curses. And this lady that worked there as a secretary, her livelihood was typing. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, never had a problem with arthritis in her life, her hands began to shrivel up. She can no longer type. And she's in a serious situation because this was her livelihood. She had a friend of hers that went to a a minister's meeting that talked about breaking curses. And she had back then a cassette tape and told her, you need to listen to this tape. And she didn't really believe in it. She wasn't even a Christian. But she told her, said, you need to listen to this and you need to pray with him because I believe you might be dealing with a curse. And so finally, just to get her friend off her back, she tried to play the cassette. When she pushed play, it wouldn't even work. She kept having to fast forward, rewind, and finally she got the thing to play, which she thought that was kind of weird. But she said the prayer, did you know as a non-believer, she simply prayed the prayer to renounce whatever brought a curse, that a curse is broken off her life, and her hands who had been crippled up now, actually just straightened out. She had no pain, and she went right back to work. What happened was there was a curse there. And the curse was causing the sickness. Also, if you see a history of suicide or early deaths. People that are suicidal and have premature death in their family, that is a definite sign of a curse. So how do curses come on individuals? How do curses come on families? Why don't you think of a family bloodline and think of it like real estate. So you have land. If somebody was to come on that land and they were to do something on that land to defile that land. For example, maybe they murdered somebody on that land, blood was shed and it defiled the land. Now a curse comes on that land and because there's a curse there, now there's demonic activity. And somebody may move on that land years later and find that spiritually speaking, something is not right about this property. There's just an oppression. There's something here. And it's the same, same thing with a family bloodline. Your family bloodline is like a real estate. 
And if somebody has stepped into your family bloodline and has done certain things to defile the bloodline, it brings a curse on the family. And now there's demonic activity because of the curse. Does this make sense? I'm doing my best tonight to take really complicated issues and trying to simplify them as best I can. But in a family bloodline, if there's people that have shed blood, that's a big one. If there's been murder, including obviously abortion is murder, but if there's there's been bloodshed in a family, that can bring a curse. Number two, has there been broken vows and covenants? And that especially is true in marriage. If there's been broken vows, there's been broken marital vows, there's been adultery, there's been things like that, that can bring a curse on the family. Number three, has there been sexual immorality or perversions? That can bring a curse. You see that any sexual immorality, but for some reason incest seems to really be an intense thing that brings a curse. But any sexual immorality of any kind. Number four, has there been idolatry or occult practices? That can bring a curse. And then there's a few other I would mention. Anti-Semitism specifically, God said, if you curse the Jewish people, God said, you'll be cursed. And so your attitude toward the Jewish people can affect you. And then the last one I would add that people that might be living under some kind of curse and not realize it, is in the area of not tithing. They're robbing God. And the Bible says that in Malachi, etc. And some people want to rebel and not do it. Hey, it's your finances that are cursed, not mine. But people that steal the tithes and offerings that belong to God, they seem to be dealing and wrestling with a curse on their finances. But God wants to deliver us from curses. Galatians 3.13 says Christ became a curse for us. Cursed is anyone who's hung on a tree, delivering us, redeeming us from the curses under the law. So I want to lead everybody in a prayer about renouncing curses. And then I'm going to start closing this thing out. But we're going to pray and confess these things as sin, okay? And then I'm going to lead you in a prayer about these things as well, about specifically curses. So let's pray about it. Jesus, we ask forgiveness in our family, in our lives, in our ancestry. If there's been any bloodshed, any broken vows or covenants, any sexual immorality or perversions, Any idolatry or occult practices, any anti-Semitism, or any robbing God, we confess it as sin. You are faithful and just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so I want to pray, there's a couple things before we close this out. But I'm going to lead you in a prayer. Actually, Derek Prince wrote this. I really like this one. But this is about being released from a curse. And the reason why I want to read this is because, again, this is not just for tonight. A lot of people that are here, 
you've prayed about a lot of these things. But this is also for those that are going to be listening to this sermon in years to come. For you to be delivered. And so I want to lead you in a simple prayer that's going to release you from a curse. And then we got just a little bit more to go through. And I want to lead you in a prayer also to be delivered. <clears throat> to be delivered. So I'm going to say the prayer, but you repeat it back. But again, this is your prayer to the Lord, okay? And I want you to pray this. Lord Jesus Christ, I believe you are the Son of God and the only way to God that on the cross you died for my sins and you rose again from the dead that on the cross you were made a curse that I might be redeemed from any curse and receive your blessing. I trust you now for mercy and forgiveness and I commit myself from now on by your grace to follow you and obey you. I ask forgiveness and that you blot out any of my sins committed by me or my ancestors that expose me to a curse. If people have harmed me or wronged me, I forgive them as you would have God forgive me. I renounce all contact with Satan, occult practices, unscriptural secret societies. I renounce them. If I have any contact with satanic objects that link me to these things, I promise I will get rid of them. And now, with the authority you have given me as a child of God, I release myself and my family from every curse. And I move into the blessings given to Abraham who was blessed in all things. In Jesus' name. Amen. Alright, so let me just close out with a couple things tonight. Signs of demonic activity. And then we're going to pray one more prayer. But if somebody is being tormented by the demonic, and in the days to come, many of you have been liberated from something in your life, we all have. The devil's had some place where we had to get free from something. We all have. But people are going to need you to help them in the days to come get free. And so if you, in someone's life, if they're dealing with restlessness, somebody that has demonic activity in their life, the word that sums it up is they're restless. They do not have peace. And because of demonic activity tormenting them, here's some signs that they may have a demonic activity they need to be delivered from. They may have fits of rage, constant headaches or migraines. Insomnia can be a sign of a demonic activity in their lives, insomnia. Also, incurable diseases can be demonic. Irrational fears 
Mental illness can be a sign of demonic activity. In fact, many times when we've prayed deliverance for people, if they've had mental illness, they've been delivered from it. I can't think of a time that they haven't, actually. Seizures can be demonic. And that's even in the Bible where people had seizures and it was a demon that Jesus cast out of the boy that would have a seizure that would throw him into fire and water. Suicidal thoughts are demonic. Don't ever entertain suicidal thoughts. Did everybody hear me? Command it to leave. Female problems can be demonic. Depression, addictions, fascination with the occult, nightmares, hearing voices, seeing scary visions, stubborn arrogance can be demonic. Compulsive dishonesty. Marital problems can be the source of a demonic thing. Dizziness or fainting that's unexplained. Like why does this keep going on? Also sharp unexplained pains in various parts of the body. These can be signs of demonic activity. Even where somebody has had like physical health problems. They get prayer. They feel something leave them. They're healed, but then it comes back. That can be a demon. Or if they have, they go to church and it just, every time they get around the things of God, it flares up really bad. That can be a sign it's demonic. It's not just a sickness. It's a demonic sickness. And so these things can be signs that there's demonic activity in somebody's life. But how many knows Jesus has come to set them free? Amen? And there are countless people, I don't even know how many through the years I've prayed with them. And maybe they were mixed up in different things. They they were in drugs. Maybe they were in the occult. Maybe they were sexually immoral. And now they're infested and they have problems and they know they do. And I pray with them and, and, and these things just leave their life to find such freedom in Christ. Jesus came so that we could be delivered from these things. He wants us free from them. It is not the will of God that people live tormented. Don't live under any type of condemnation that, well, maybe I deserve it because of the things I did. Well, look, we all deserve this and the other, but Jesus took our punishment on the cross. Amen. And God wants to forgive us. He wants to deliver us. He wants to heal us. He wants to restore. He has come to set us free. He wants our lives blessed and free in Jesus, okay? All right, so some attacks from the enemy sometimes come because of ungodly prayers and soulish talk and the hatred of people. Did you know when people are gossiping and slandering and they hate you and they're speaking all this negative stuff, did you know that can release something against you? You need to break the power of those words, amen? And sometimes churches and Christians that are a real threat to the enemy, Satan may whisper to some of his people that serve him in the dark arts to begin to pray against you. And you may find yourself coming up against some kind of an attack and you're thinking, what in the world am I dealing with here? Take authority over it and break it in Jesus' name, okay? That has no right to oppress God's people, amen? My wife and I have had to deal with these things sometimes. We've had people praying against us. That's nothing new. That's been going on for a long time. 
But when we discern that's the case, we take authority and we send it on the run. Amen? And I'll tell you what, those people will never forget that I tried to send something against those pastors and it didn't accomplish anything and it came back home to me and I wish I'd have never sent it in the first place. Amen? <laughs> and so I'm going to lead you in one more prayer tonight and then we're going to go through and pray for people. But before I do, I want to give you something practical. In the days to come, we're going to be having services where we're going to be praying for a lot of people. We're going to be praying for people for healing. People are going to be delivered. People are going to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And there's a lot of activity that's going to be going on. And here's some things I want please everybody to hear me with this. This is actually really important. But when that begins, it's really important that we stay in an atmosphere of worship. Because sometimes people, time goes on a little bit, and people just start talking and carrying on, and they get out of that attitude of worship. And you have to be careful because you can actually begin to hinder the activity of the Holy Spirit, the move of God. And that talking instead of worshiping can be a hindrance. So even whenever you see ministers praying for people, laying hands on people, a good thing to be doing is be in agreement with them because they're dealing with some things that might be quite serious in that person's life. Also, that we stay unified. When we have these altar times and we're praying for people, we need to be in one mind and one accord. We need to be unified. The next thing is being respectful toward authority. Because if people get mad because there's different kind of rules and we're asking, well, we have certain people to pray for people. Please don't pray for people unless we ask you to, things like that. And people get angry and they start bucking up against authority. They start uh, rebelling against authority. They don't like the rules. They want to do whatever they want to do. That can hinder the move of God. And also when we pray for people in the future, we may go through some of these things and lead people in prayer. But one of the things that can really hinder is when you're going through a line praying for people and somebody wants to stop you and give you their life story. And they want to talk to you for 30 minutes. That's not the time. That's the time just to give a brief synopsis of I'm believing for this and that's it because there's all these other people that need prayer and the life story isn't going to make a difference okay that can hinder and the last thing I would say is this make sure that your eyes are on Jesus because if you get your eyes on man like they're your source that can hinder it doesn't matter if people are falling or something's happening. Don't look to people as your source. Now, God uses people, but your eyes need to be on Jesus. Now, I'll never forget that um, there was a really powerful man of God by the name of Carlos Anacondia. And God really used him in the Argentine revival. And in that revival, there was a lot of powerful healings and deliverances that were taking place in a certain city. And one night he got up to minister 
And for whatever reason, the Holy Spirit, the anointing had diminished radically to where it really concerned him. And he thought, Lord, why is nothing going on tonight? And his wife discerned and warned the people. She said, I feel that you people have been looking to my husband instead of Jesus. Ask forgiveness and look to Jesus. And when that crowd did that, and they looked back to Jesus, the power of God fell hard, and God began to move. See, a lot of times when God's using people, if we're not careful, our eyes get on the people too much. And the Holy Spirit will back off because He's not come to glorify people. The Holy Spirit comes to glorify Jesus Christ. Amen? So I'm going to lead you in one more prayer. And this is for deliverance. Okay? And then we're just simply going to pray tonight for those that want prayer. And again, this we've already dealt with some of this, but just bear with me for those that are listening to this. I want you to pray this out loud. If you need to be delivered, you think that you've opened the door for something in your life or something has tormented you. We want to agree together as a church for you to be delivered. As I want everybody out loud, those that are listening to this, to pray this. Jesus, I choose to forgive anyone that's wronged me. And I confess this sin, all these sins that you've brought to my mind, whether committed by me or my family, I repent of them. And you are faithful to forgive me of all my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I hate these sins. I turn from them. I turn to you, Jesus, for mercy. If I've been involved in the occult, I repent and renounce it and sever myself from it by the blood of Jesus. I renounce these idols, all these altars and covenants to demon powers. I renounce every oath pledge, ritual, or ceremony associated with Satan's kingdom. Lord, to the best of my ability, I've met your conditions. I now claim your promise that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be delivered. I'm calling upon you, Jesus, to deliver me from any torment and every evil spirit. I hate them. They are not my friend. I renounce them and I command them to leave my life and my family right now and never return in Jesus' name. So, Father, we agree together for everybody that's going to be listening to this, whether in a home or whatever as a church, We take authority. We all agree. We bind every occult spirit, anything to do with witchcraft, divination, sorcery, the occult, anything to do with false religions, idolatry, secret societies. We command these things. We agree together. And those that are listening, this agree with us. We command it will leave your life now and never return. 
Anything to do with rebellion must leave in Jesus' name. Any tormenting spirits of fear, it torments the mind, the emotions. We command it to leave people. Anything to do with grief, unnatural sorrow, loneliness, depression, rejection, disappointment. We command those things, leave people in Jesus' name. We break it off their minds. We break it off their hearts. Any death, any self-destruction, suicide, hatred, murder, violence, and bloodshed, you will leave these people in Jesus' name. Even wherever you're at, maybe you need to say this out loud, I will live and not die and declare the works of my God. We command that now, any death to leave people in Jesus' name. We command anything to do with anger, rage, resentment, bitterness, or unforgiveness to go now in Jesus' name. Things to do with unbelief and doubt and compromise and forgetfulness and confusion and torment and insanity. Things that cause mental illness to leave people's lives and leave families, leave homes. Things that have to do with the mouth, maybe lying spirits. Things that have to do with unbelief and doubt and all that compromise and forgetfulness and confusion. All that stuff, we command it, we agree it goes, but also counterfeit things, things to do with sickness, things that counterfeit sickness, we command it leaves people in Jesus' name. The mouth, cursing, blaspheming, gossip, slander, criticism, division, divorce, we command those spirits to be bound. You will leave people, you're going to leave their families. I just see family bloodlines, generational curses are broken now. We command these spirits that are trying to cause divorce and destroy families to leave. You will leave their homes now. We command strife will go now in Jesus' name. Things that are sexually perverse. Spirits associated with masturbation and whoredoms and seduction and sensuality. Lust and pornography. Fornication and adultery. We command these things go. Incest. Perverse spirits. Same-sex attractions. We command these things to be bound. You will leave people. We speak that now. Those that have young people, maybe that are dealing with transgender stuff, we command it out in Jesus' name. We bind you. Leave these families. Things to do with infirmity, disease, allergies, sleep, migraines, epilepsy, crippling spirits, arthritis, pains, disease and sickness. We command to be bound and leave people's bodies. Every satanic spirit, we command you to leave people now and never return in Jesus' name. Get out of their minds. Get out of their emotions. Get out of their night's rest. You will leave and vacate their homes now. You will leave their lands. We command you out in Jesus' name. Everything that we bind right now, spirits that are attacking young people, spirits of rebellion, go in Jesus' name. Out of families. I see that even as I'm praying, there's people that are believing for their young people. We bind that foul spirit of rebellion. You will leave them now, leave their minds, leave their hearts in Jesus' name. Things that maybe came in through ungodly entertainment, we bind you. You will leave now in Jesus' name. And Lord, as we go through, as people are listening to this, as we go through and we anoint our homes and we pray over our homes and we agree together, I want people, when you do that, lift your voice and command the enemy out in Jesus' name. And with this sermon, we're going to place, um, up on the internet, we're going to place a, a, a teaching my wife and I did in written form about cleansing land and homes, okay? 
that last week's sermon, I put these notes that I've been using, okay? But here's what I want to do. I want, if you could quickly come to the keyboard. I want this on the recording. I'm going to blast the shofar, and I'm going to believe God that hell is going to retreat. Amen? I want y'all to lift a shout with me. This is going out over the internet, but it's going over this recording. I want you guys that are listening to this recording, I want you to go through your property, and I want you to, to read over that and pray over your property. Command the enemy out. If you and your spouse are godly Christians and you're real sincere in your faith, and you have a young person that's that's struggling, you can pray over them at night. You can maybe pray over their bed. You can pray over something they wear all the time and command the enemy to leave them in Jesus' name. And he has to submit to the authority, okay? And so, Lord, as we close out this teaching, we command hell leaves and we bind everything of the enemy. And we're going to close this out with a shofar blast. And Lord, let everything of the enemy flee and heaven come down where people are in Jesus' name. This is for people that have never prayed these things. Now, I'm telling you, there's going to be people getting saved. They've never prayed this way. They've never heard this before. And Lord, I thank you for delivering them in Jesus' name. We believe it tonight. We've been praying over these things. The Bible says, submit unto God, resist it, and we must flee. We thank you, Lord, for your liberty. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Listen, we're going to put on some worship tonight. Just go ahead and close things out if you want to or whatever. And we're going to go through. And if anybody.